Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is right in the middle of your Bibles. Um, We are looking at Psalm 71 this morning. Psalm 71, if you did not bring a Bible this morning and you would like to use one, if you don't have it on your phone or device, we have a table in the back that's uh, got Bibles on it, a black Bible. You can grab one of those and use it while you're here. If you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you one of those Bibles. Just take it home. It can be yours. Uh, we would love to give that to you as a gift. Psalm 71. We take the summers to work through the Psalms, one Psalm a week. And so we just keep moving as, as we go one Psalm a week. As a heads up, for where we are heading uh, in the future. The week after Labor Day, we've got another, an, another psalm here uh, dur- on Labor Day weekend, and then the week after Labor Day, we're going to be working through our vision and mission as a church. So this may be a good opportunity for you who are new uh, to hear more about who we are as a church and, and what we see God leading us toward. Maybe, uh, it, not maybe, it is a great opportunity for those who have been around a long time to be refreshed in, to, to hear again This is what we believe God calling us to. And so we're going to do something a little bit different that week where we'll have all the elders up here and each of us will be able to talk a little bit about a piece of our our mission together and where we see God taking us. So that'll be the week after Labor Day. And then uh, the following week after that, I think it's the 18th, we'll be starting a new sermon series working through the book in the New Testament. Should I tell you? Should I just leave it? Some of you already know. Uh, Galatians. So we'll be moving through the book of Galatians following, uh, following that time in our vision and mission. So if you have, I was going to say if you have a copy of Galatians, uh, go ahead and start reading Galatians and thinking through that, meditating on that, um, seeing what God would do. All right, Psalm 71 this morning, if you're there um, and you are able to join me this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read from God's holy and inspired word together. It's a longer one. Position yourself well. I'll read through it. You can follow along. Psalm 71, it says this, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I've been as a portent to many. But you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. 
Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed with scorn and disgrace. May they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those who come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the heavens, the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. This is God's word. Amen. You may have a seat. So many things in life come and go. They come and go. They're they're changing. There isn't much about this life that lasts, is there? It doesn't last for too long if it does. The most profound example of that, um, at least for me right now, is uh, the, this idea of trends in fashion. And I know what you all are thinking, yeah, I get it. I mean, he's a fashionable, trendy guy. Um, maybe that's because uh, I have a few sons who are into fashion. They think about it, talk about it, look at, at different things. Fashion trends come and go. Sorry about that. They just do. Fashion trends come and they go. There's no real rhyme or reason to why they shift, why they circle back around uh, to what was, um, what was in, what, 30 years ago. Those things swing back around. Anyone who's 35, 40, 45 um, years or, or older, let me just ask this question of you. Is there, is there much difference in what is being worn now to what was worn 25, 30 years ago? It's not, right? Everything's big and baggy again. Jeans are up here. Everything's tucked in. Like, it's just strange how it just circles back around. In fact, um, our oldest son has been watching a sitcom that came out in 1994. And as he's watching it, he's like, hey, there's some really um, neat kind of fashion things going on there. And I'm like, yeah, because it just circled back around. That's when I graduated high school and it's back. And, and so we see these things over and over. There's another um, clothing designer that, that I've sort of been turned on to who, who creates a lot of the, the clothing, designs a lot of the clothing that he's after from the 1920s. Guess what? It was the same. They just circle back around, big baggy things and suspenders and high-waisted, th- all, all of that just circles back a- around. 
nothing in this life lasts too long before it's replaced, circles back around, shifts and changes, and, and things come and go. We just see that all the time. We feel it. We experience it in so many ways. It's really hard to count on anything lasting, isn't it? Anything. You buy a new car, right? And you wonder, well, how long is this one going to last? Or, or, or you cut your hair, right? But, but what happens? You have, to, you have to do it again, right? Because it just grows out, or some of, some of you don't have to do it again because it never comes back. Um, but, but we see this sort of thing going around and around. It just, things change and shift, and they rearrange. You, you get a new job, and before you know it, you're promoted, or, or you're moved to a different city, or, or you're fired, right? Things change and shift. We, uh, all the time, we, we see this. Or you get a, a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis, and you you have a plan now to move forward, but that changes every three days, and there's nothing that feels stable. There's nothing that, that feels like it, it lasts in this life. It's all shifting and changing and moving and rearranging. Everything is like that. This isn't new to us, though. This isn't like, hey, we're just in a fast pace, like changing kind of thing. No, this has happened forever. The first humans placed in a garden, what, what was sort of their first, their first action? It was the move. Right? God said, yeah, well, now you have to move because of sin. Right? Talking about fashion trends, they had no fashion trends. They were born with their fashion trends before sin. And then God made them some fashionable garments out of some leather. For the first man and woman, things were rapidly changing due to the fact that they moved in sinful opposition to the God who made them. Change is now the reality for them. Now, listen, I'm not saying that all of change is due to sinful human choices. That's not what I'm saying. Some change is good, some change is right, but we certainly can get sinfully frustrated and sinfully flustered by change, right? Because everything is changing and shifting and rearranging all the time. We just, we're in that. It can be frustrating. The human experience is often change and uncertainty, in fact, the Bible tells us the wisest man to have ever walked the earth spoke about the vanity, the, the, the passing nature of, the, the fleeting nature of all things. Just in the opening chapter of Ecclesiastes, this wise man says the sun rises, but what happens? Goes back to where it sets. Right? The, the wind blows to the south, but then before you know it, it blows to the, the north. The streams run into the sea, but the seas don't get full, and then the seas just empty out into to the streams again, and it happens over and over. Things are shifting and changing. Nothing in this life lasts. It's all shifting and changing and rearranging and moving. The, that aspect of life can be extremely discouraging and disorienting, can't it? You just don't have a, a grasp on anything. It's shifting and changing all the time. Many of you over these past few years have experienced some drastic, out of control for you changes in life's circumstances, haven't you? Just as a show of hand, I'm not going to ask you what it is. Who has experienced a life changing event in the last couple of years? Look around. We all have. So many of us have experienced this change, and it can be extremely tiring. It can be discouraging. It can be disorienting. But here's the encouragement we receive from God's Word. In fact, I think we read it over and over in this psalm. 
God is unchanging. God is the same. We see it all over the Bible. We, we see it all over the Bible. We, we get to, my remote's not working for some reason. I was going to show you a video. No, I wasn't really. You, you should know better. Um, we, we get to um, uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should change his mind. Isaiah 48. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God stands forever. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You get to the very last chapter of the entire Bible, Revelation 22, verse 13. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There's nothing changing about who Jesus is. God never changes. In fact, the psalm we just read uses repeatedly, I don't know if you saw it, repeatedly the words continually. It's in there over and over, continually, or, or all the day long, the same kind of theme, all the day long, or continually, continually, day after day, all the day long. All of that to describe what? To describe the God who made us and, and our response to him. God never changes. We can we can take that in and take comfort in that in every stage of life, young, middle age, old age, graying hair, old and wise, we can take great comfort in this ever-changing world that we currently live in, that God is constant. He is never changing. He is always the same. Now, we don't know who wrote this psalm. We don't have any, any in, insight, at least in the headings, of who wrote this psalm or, or what the context of the psalm is. And in some ways, what that does is it, it invites us in to experience it for ourselves because we don't know the context. And so we say, uh, I, I, can, I can read this and, and see uh, from this uh, a reference to what I am facing. In what ways now, I'll ask the question of us to get our, our minds thinking about how to apply this. In what ways right now are you longing for some consistency in your life? Think about it. In what ways right now are you longing for something to just be the same? For crying out loud, some consistency in your life, some stability, some comfort that you would take in that. Can I just tell you this? You won't find that stability, comfort, consistency. You won't find that in the things of this life, but we have it in our God. That's why the writer of this psalm can say in verse 1, I take refuge in you, God. Verse 3, he says, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. God is our continual Refuge. That's what we see in the first three verses. God is our continual refuge. When you hear the word refuge, what comes to your mind? What comes to, what comes to your mind when you hear the word, think about the word refuge? Picture that for just a second. What is that? It's not an umbrella, right? It's not a camouflage shirt that you can kind of blend in with. What, what is it for you that is a refuge? In these first three verses, the psalmist uses words like rescue me. There's some rescue there. Save me. 
a rock of refuge, rock and fortress. This is a, a place of complete and utter safety for the, the writer of this psalm. Complete and utter safety. Nothing is breaking down. Nothing is crushing down the walls to, to get in. Nothing is, is falling through the roof. Nothing will break through to cause harm in any way when God is that refuge. The psalmist says, God, that's you. That, that's got to be you. You are my refuge. I can run to you and not be put to shame. A few times in the psalm, the writer says things like in verse 2, he says, in your righteousness, that's, that's mentioned a couple, couple times. We, we can read that as righteousness. You can also read it as, as ongoing faithfulness, the ongoing faithfulness of God. So in your faithfulness, you are the one who delivers. You are the one who rescues. You are the one who saves. In your faithfulness, in your consistency over and over, time and again, God, you have been faithful and always will be faithful. This is why God is a refuge we can continually approach. Why? Because he doesn't change. We know what we're going to get when we run to him. He does not change. At the beginning of the summer, our entire family um, all loaded up in a car after dinner, in our, in our car after dinner, um, to go get ice cream at our favorite place in Old Town, um, it's a chore to get seven people in a car. It's a chore to get seven uh, uh, people who are now outsizing me into a car. That's a chore. It's, a ch- it's even a greater chore to find parking in Old Town, but we did it. We had to get ice cream. So um, we walked to, from our parking spot um, to, toward the place where we were going to get ice cream, kind of talking about different things from the week, but all we were thinking about was, I know what I'm getting, because their menu kind of stays the same with a couple, a couple things thrown in here, here and there, and we're thinking what we're going to get, and we approach the place where we're going to get ice cream, and we see that for once, there is no line, and, and we're amazed, so we're like right up, and then we get up closer, and we see a little handwritten sign that says, uh, closed today for staff training. In fact, what it actually said was closed today for scoop training. So I guess they're like uh, training the scoopers. I don't know. You, you can tell me some other time, Bridger. But um, we, we got there and we were devastated. It was closed. Hang with me. God is our refuge to whom we can continually approach because he's always present. It's not changing. We don't have to worry that, hey, when we get there, when we approach God, is he going to be there? Is he not? What's going to happen? Is he off for scoop training? What's going on? Is he he our God or not? We, We live in a broken world affected by sin and its consequences, and there are times when God does not choose to act or respond immediately. We choose. But we run to, run to him, and we know that he's going to be there. Doesn't mean that he's always going to, to protect us in the ways that we want him to protect us, that he's going to be the kind of refuge that we thought he was going to be. Is that what it means? No, because we live in that fallen, broken world, and at times God chooses to respond in the ways that he would choose to respond. You've experienced that. We've experienced that. We, we've experienced that as a family. We talk about this over and over again. Ezra and I drive to Denver two or three times a week, and we talk about the fact that God is not doing the things we want him to do in the kind of timing we want him to do it in. But he doesn't change. 
And we can run to him. We can cry out to him. And he's not a changing God. There's no one and there is nothing to whom or, or, to, or, or which we, we could run who would provide a refuge like our God. He is the same continually. As elders, we gathered um, the church together a few weeks ago to pray for anyone who was in need of healing. And we started um, our time together. We circled together, 20, 30 of us together um, in, in a circle. And we began our time with just some, some crying out to God in song, singing it together. And then, and then after singing together, we circled up and prayed for anyone who was in need of healing. It was a sweet time, a, a sweet time that we planned to do with some regularity. And so I, I'd invite you to that. Join us in that. It was beautiful. And one of the things we want to do as elders is, is to hear how God is answering those things when he does. He does it in his timing, but we want to hear about how God is answering when he does. And so this past week as elders, we received a text from someone um, who, whom we prayed for that evening who had been struggling with severe anxiety that had led to some bouts of depression along with it. Just been a crippling weight on them. And we, we got this text from, from this couple, and they said that, that this person had had four really good days. And they were believing the truth of the psalm that we're going through today. They had read it ahead of time, Psalm 71, as they read about God being a refuge. They were believing that truth in these four days that they had experienced together. Just beautiful. Some of us maybe would say four really good days. That doesn't sound like a refuge, Sounds more like a coincidence, right? That sounds more like uh, that maybe that just happened. Listen, not if we believe every good and perfect gift from, comes from God, right? Right? That that came from God. God is our continual refuge. And so can I ask, uh, to what or to whom are you running for refuge? What is it? Think about your life, maybe even this past week. What is it that you're running to for that protection, for that, for that hiding place, for that, that refuge? The psalmist continues and goes on in verses 4 through 11 to show us how God is worthy of our continual praise. God is our continual refuge. God is worthy of our continual praise. He says in verse 4, Yes, God, rescue me from the wicked, from the unjust, cruel men. Verse 5, You, Lord, are my hope and my trust. From my youth, back into history, you have been there. Verse 6, You are the one who took me from my, my mother's womb, or, or you are the one who gave me life. That's what he's getting at. You're the one who gave me life, even before birth, in, in the womb. You are my hope, and the one in whom I would place my hope. That's you, God. So what is the last phrase of verse 6? Look at it. I want you to see it. The last phrase of verse 6. I want you to see it because I'm not making this up. This is in God's word. I want us to be following along. Look at it. My praise is continually of you. Continually. I've seen it. And to that, maybe some of us would say, well, of course you've seen it, right? Because whoever wrote the psalm must have experienced God's faithfulness in some profound ways from the womb, right? If the entirety of my life, maybe this is what we would say, if the entirety of my life from, from womb on was the experience of God's faithfulness to me, then my praise would also be continually of God as well. But that's not been my experience. Look at verse 7, though. 
The psalmist says, I, I've been as a portent to many. I'm not going to lie, I had to look that up. Portent, right? My family's like, what's that mean? So I had to look that up. Here's, here's what he's, he's getting at. I have been, my life has been a warning to many that something bad is coming. My life has been, to, to many people who are looking in, a warning sign that something bad is coming. When, when people see me walk into a room, they run and hide because they know bad things always follow me. The psalmist is saying, my life has been a walking example of calamity, so much so that when, when my presence is known, it, it's, it's known as a warning that something bad is coming. My, my life is a dark cloud. And I walk into a room, and I am that dark cloud of calamity. My life, uh, I'll be uh, culturally relevant here, my life is the clock in Stranger Things. A couple of you. So when that clock begins to tick, you know, oh no, right? That's what he's getting at. Consider this, friends. He has become known, the psalmist has, become known as a magnet of hardship. He's just known for that. Yet, he says, you are my strong refuge. Verse 8, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day, continually. So God, verse 9, when I get older, so God, when I get older, don't leave me. Don't leave me when my, my strength is spent. Oh, that's a good prayer, isn't it? I read that this week and I thought that needs to be my prayer. God, don't leave me when my strength is spent. Maybe you need to write that down and just pray that on repeat this week. God, don't leave me when my strength is spent. Stay near. My strength is spent. Stay near. Verses 10 and 11, he says, My enemies think you've left me, forsaken me. Why? Because I'm a ball of walking, suffering, and calamity, and hardship. And anywhere I go, people say, Certainly God's left that one. Because anytime he walks in, things are going to go badly. But what's the psalmist's response? Here's what we're getting to. What's the psalmist's response? It's not always, always been good, and God, he hasn't always experienced the faithfulness of God. What is he getting at? He says, my praise is continually of you. My mouth is filled with your praise and glory all the day, continually. Continually. Now, can I correct something for my own heart, for our hearts together? Can I correct something that we all too often believe? I, I think we, we all too often read through things like this. We, we get to passages like this, or we, we read through what Paul has to say, uh, suffering passages in Scripture, and we, we think, well, man, my, my command is that I'm supposed to rejoice I'm going through some hard stuff, but the command is that I'm supposed to rejoice and to to praise God. And we hear that and we think we have to praise God for for what's going on. We have have to praise him for what's going on in our life. Listen, that's not the case at all, at least in the psalm and some of the New Testament writings. We don't don't see this. Uh, Paul in the book of Philippians, Paul likely in jail when he's writing the book. Yeah, he says multiple times, rejoice, rejoice. And then if we don't hear it, he says, again, I say rejoice. But Paul also says, just verses after that, I've learned to be what? Content. I've learned to be content. Now, he doesn't say rejoice 
in your suffering right there in that thing, he says rejoice in what? The Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, and I've learned to be content in any situation. He's rejoicing in the Lord and also content in the situation. He's not rejoicing in the situation. He's learned to be content in that situation. Let me ask this of my own heart, of yours. Do you believe that God is worthy of our continual praise in spite of your situations? Do we believe that? I think we would all nod, yep, yep, yep. But no, no, no. Do you believe that? When the stuff hits, do you believe that? That God, the God who has given us life and also sustained it, is worthy of continual praise. Think through that. The God who gave you life and also is sustaining you is worthy of continual praise. That's all of us, right? Show of hands here. Who in this room has God sustained your life? Good. See, it's just a matter of fact. You rose your hand, which means you have life, and God has sustained it. That same God is worthy of praise. What rhythms, then, do you have in your life to remind you of that, that God is worthy of continual praise? I'll ask it again. What rhythms do you have in your life that would remind you of that, that you would look at him intently in his word? Maybe that's a rhythm. I'm going to get up every morning, and I'm going to see God in his word, and I'm going to see that he's worthy of continual praise praise. I'm going to have communion, communication with him in prayer. I'm going to go to him in prayer. I'm going to to talk to him. I'm going to have communication with him. That would would show you that he's worthy of continual praise. Or maybe it's gathering with others who are also struggling to believe, which is all of us. And we gather and we, we get to encourage one another and it's moving us more and more to see that yes, God is a God worthy of continual praise. How are you training your heart and your mind to believe, yeah, God is worthy of continual praise? The psalmist goes on, God's a continual refuge. He's worthy of our continual praise and also God is our continual hope. Verse 12, God, don't be far from me. Make haste, hurry up. This is from last week, right? Make haste, hurry up. Verse 13, take care of my enemies, my accusers, similar to last week. Verse 14, uh, the, the, the writer, the prayer, remember this is a, a, probably a prayer written in, in song, teaches us to pray. The prayer says, but I will hope continually and praise you more and more. When my enemies crowd in around me, I know that you are my help. God, you are my continual hope. When something is your continual hope, a true hope, something that you are convinced will happen, something that's a hope and you're convinced it will happen, what is the overflow? What's the overflow, right? The iPhone 14's coming out. I know it's coming. I'm going to get one. What do you do? What's the overflow? You're telling everybody about it, Right? You're talking about it. You're saying you're going to be in line. You're going to be the first one. You're, you're, you're talking about it. When you're thinking about going on a vacation, you know it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. What are you doing? You're telling other people about it. What is the overflow of a, of a hope that is there? Or you don't hold that in. You don't have some hope in you and think, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. This is my own little secret that I'm just going to hold on to. No, you speak about it. You talk about it. So the psalmist, verse 15, the writer says, My mouth will tell of your righteousness or your faithful acts, of your deeds, of your salvation, all the day, continually. 
The end of verse 15, the number of things you have done in my life is past my knowledge. Did you see that? The number of things you've done in my life is, is beyond my comprehension. It's past my knowledge. So what's the overflow? What's the outcome? Verse 16, so I'll remind others of your faithfulness. Yours alone, God. I'm going to remind others. I'm going to tell others about it. Listen, if God is our only hope continually, even in the midst of trial and suffering and attacks from enemies and and all of that that's crowding in, if our hope is in God, do others know that about you? Are we taking opportunities to communicate that? Do, Do other people know, wow, there's something different about them. I wonder what it is. They're just really excited all the time. Do they know? Are you speaking about it? Are you, or is the overflow of your hope in God coming out in words, talking to others about it? I, I often think of what Peter says in his letter to the, to the scattered church, to the persecuted church, to the, to the suffering church that was scattered all over the place in 1 Peter. He says, but in your hearts. Nope, that's, that's not it at all. Um, let, me, let me see if I ha- have that. Do I have 1 Peter 3.15 in there? If not, I'll just read it to you. Um, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let me read that again because it just popped up there. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Application time. Are you prepared? Have you played through scenarios? Are they going to ask me about this? Are they going to talk to me about this? How am I going to work that out? How am I going to, how am I going to be able to talk about where my hope really lies? How am I, how am I going to talk that are you prepared to make a defense to clearly communicate the great hope that you have in God because of what Christ has already accomplished in you for you do you have a response ready we have a continual hope a hope in God a hope that's now rooted in the reality of Jesus sealed in the spirit does that hope then compel us to speak of the innumerable ways that God has been present in our lives and still is present. If not, why? Have you thought through that? Think through that. Maybe, maybe in the, the days to come, think through that. If you're not ready, if, you, if you're not eager to communicate why you have hope in God because of what he's accomplished in, in Christ, Why? Why is that the case? What keeps you from speaking about that hope you have in Christ? The prayer, the, 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 the writer continues on in verses 17 through 21 to show that God is continually powerful. I don't know where my slides are now, Jen, so if you'll just help me out. God is continually powerful. Right? The writer walks through his entire life. He says in verse 17, from my youth you have taught me. I've experienced you 
and I'm still proclaiming your wonderful deeds, even now with my old age and my gray hair. Sustain me until I can proclaim your might to another generation. It just continues and continues and moves on and moves on from youth to now, from now to my old age, on into gray hair. Sustain me so that this will continue to the next generation and continue to move on, that you alone are powerful. The end of verse 18, the psalmist has this desire to proclaim the might and power of God to those who are coming in the next generation. God is continually and consistently powerful. He was powerful in the past. I've experienced it. He's powerful. Now he'll, he'll continue to do that. He does not change. He doesn't become more powerful with time. He doesn't need to be more powerful. Can you hear that again? God does not need, we may think he does. God, where are you now? Why aren't you more powerful? God does not need to be more powerful. It doesn't grow in time because he's all powerful. He doesn't change. So in verse 19, his righteousness, his faithfulness reaches to the highest heavens. Who is like God in greatness? There's no one. It's rhetorical. Verse 20, this is, this is I think, profound and something we all need to hear over and over. I need to hear this right now. You have made me see many troubles and calamities. You've made me see many troubles and calamities. You see that? It's active on God's part. You have made me see. The, the things we are walking through right now in our family are not outside of God's control. The things that you all are walking through are not outside of God's control. Not outside of God's good plan. And the one who has walked you through those things is the one who will, the psalmist goes on, who will revive you, who will bring you up, who will restore you. Our ultimate hope is in the power of the God who has given us life now and will restore us into eternity. Ultimately, he will come again to bring us from death to life. Our hope is in that God, ultimately. Verse 21, it's that God who will restore us, bring us comfort again. God is continually Powerful, showing up in our time of need, showing his power and might in all things, even through our troubles. Listen, even when he makes us see trouble, even when he makes us see calamity, even when he walks with us through those things, he's powerful. Do you believe that? I'll be honest, I struggle. One of the benedictions we... Um, often speak over one another on Sundays as we head out is, is found in 1 Peter 5, the one I, I gave you a little sneak preview of earlier. Um, and, and it says this, Jen, if you, you could find that again. This benediction that we speak over one another says, and after you have suffered a little while, nope, sorry, that's my bad. It's not on you all. Um, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's that powerful. 
He is that God who will, will, will restore us, confirm us, strengthen us, establish us. He's that powerful, and he will continue to be. He always walks you through suffering. He's not leaving you. He's the God of all grace. It's that God who will continually restore, continually confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And to him be dominion forever and ever. He is all-powerful. Are we clinging to that God? The psalmist circles back around to finish this out, uh, to the end of all of this with praise. The psalms are, are often sandwiched together with this, with this praise. God is our, our continual help. It's this sandwich, a, a book-ended way of communicating where the psalmist says, praise God, starts with that, then the meat of the psalm or, or the vegetables, however you, you want to make that happen, and, and then, then praise again. So you've got praise, middle uh, praise, and it seems to be the psalmist's way to remind us that all of this life, everything in between, is about the praise and glory of God. So, so to end it out, in the midst of praise, we're reminded that God is a continual help. Verse 22, I'll praise you with the harp. You've been faithful. I'll praise you with the lyre. You've been faithful. Verse 23, I'll shout to joy when I sing your praises. My redeemed soul will as well. And here it is, verse 24. My tongue will talk of your righteous, faithful help all the day long. Continually you have been my help. In the presence of those who sought to hurt me, I will speak continually of you being my help because you are continually my help. Friends, I'll end it here with a challenge for us. So if you've checked out, let's bring it in. I'll end it with a challenge for us. And that challenge for us is that we would recognize in some way rhythms in your life, whatever that takes, to recognize all the day long that our help comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. All of the help that we would need in the day Anything that, that makes us take our, our breathing, all of the involuntary things that we never think about are, are happening with God being our help, our breathing, our walking, our waking, our blinking, all of those things that we don't even think about, God is our continual help. All of that, all of it. Friends, if, if you're in a place this morning, maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe that, that's where you land and you think, I don't know if that's where I would land, if I would believe that, that all of this, uh, I can, I can like scientifically walk through that and show you how this is how it happens and the, the heart pumps this way and that way and then, and then it works out that way. Can, friend, would you consider that that doesn't just happen, that there is a God who is working all of that out in you that doesn't just happen, that God is our help. Nothing is done without our powerful hand or without his powerful hand over all things. He is our refuge, our hope, our help. He's worthy of our praise. Think about this. When, when Paul, the apostle, walks through Athens telling the people that there is a God who is worthy to be worshiped, he's walking through and pointing out pagan uh, idols and, and different poems and, and, and all the stuff that the people in Athens are crowding around to worship. He's pointing those things out, and he, he says there's a God who's worthy to be worshipped way more than these powerless gods that you are worshiping. And he says in Acts chapter 17, 
He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served, nor is he helped along, nor is he he, he served or helped by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Everything we are experiencing now is from the good hand of God. He alone is our continual help. He is our continual refuge that does not change. He is our continually powerful God. He is our continual ongoing hope. He is our continually worthy of worship God. He is. That's who he is. And so we worship him. Can I pray for us? And then we will continue in celebration. Let's pray. God, you have given us your word. Um, Your word is true. We know that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. And through its endurance and the encouragement of the word, we would have hope. And so we gather around this psalm and see the ways in which the psalmist um, shows that you are continually a God who is a refuge, continually a help, continually the only hope, continually a God who's worthy to be worshipped, continually powerful. You never change. And so my prayer this morning for my own heart, I need this, God. My prayer for my friends here this morning is that as we are trying to settle down and to grab on to something that's stable and a life that's unchanging, to grab on to something that, that, that would comfort us in its consistency, that my prayer is that we would, we would have this sharp reminder that you are the only thing that does not change, the only one who does not change. We run to you for refuge, for protection, for safety. That you would save us, that you would deliver us, that you're a God who's worthy to be worshipped. Would you help us to remember that? My prayer this morning for those in this room who may not believe is that you would be at work drawing them to yourself, that you would be knocking at their hearts, that they would understand that there's a need in their lives that has to be fulfilled by something greater than what this world has to offer. Would you do that work? God, help. Help. We need your help. You are our continual help in time of need. Help us to believe it and to turn and worship because of it. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.